Welcome to Physics Alive. I'm Brad Moser, and I want to help fellow educators spark new life into the physics classroom. Each episode, I'll draw inspiration from teachers, researchers, and science communicators. I hope you enjoy. Good physics day, everyone. Well, the school year has ended. Whether you're teaching in the college environment, in which case it's probably ended about a month ago, Unless, of course, you're teaching summer physics, in which case you've just kept going. Or if you're teaching high school, then you may have finished a few weeks ago. You may have finished last week. Anyway, I think, I think we've all wrapped up. And we're all breathing a collective sigh of relief. And within that relief, there is this feeling of what's next. In that sense, there's really no relief. Because there's so many conversations that are happening around us in the world of education. What have we learned during this pandemic about teaching? That is such a big question right now. What can we take forward? What has worked about this online environment? What are, the, what are those pieces that we can take with us? Should we continue doing Zoom office hours? Is that something that has been working? Is that something that has made the class more accessible for, for students that they've been able to come to us without having to come to us physically? And what can we not go back to? What have we learned that that doesn't work? And I'm not saying I actually have the answers to these questions. Uh, I think there's a lot of answers that are being posed out there. Um, what has worked? What hasn't worked? What should we be taking with us? What should we be leaving behind? And I also keep hearing this argument that the future of education may well be in the digital space and that we need to start using technology more effectively and that this, this pandemic and education now has been showing us that, that this is the future. And then when we start using education, uh, when we start using technology more effectively, then education will improve. And along with that, there is also this current explosion of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Education News and EduTwitter, uh, they're alive with this topic. My physics department is holding meetings this summer to develop new curricular elements that support DEI and will allow us to go into our classes this fall with new strategies and new ways to make the classroom supportive and accessible for everybody. I just spoke with a friend in the corporate world about one of my interviews that I had about DEI, and he said he had just gotten done with a meeting that day at work on this very topic. Meanwhile, we've just finished what has been one of the most challenging academic years that many of us have ever experienced. We're tired. We're dazed. We're zoomed out. We are excited to see faces again. I find that I find that very exciting. I, I almost I still find it surprising. I, I still I'll still walk into a building and then I will, without a mask on and they walk back out and I look on the door just to make sure there's no sign that says that I should be wearing a mask. And then I go back inside and I see some masks and then I see not masks on a lot of folks as well. And that's been great. It's been great to get a little more of a sense of normalcy. And, and we're not out of the woods yet. I mean, this, this pandemic is still ongoing in many parts of the world and there are still variants coming out and there are still questions about vaccines and, and how long the immunity lasts and all this. So, but there is, there is this sense of a little more breathing room here in the United States right now. So we're excited to see these faces again. We're learning more and more about what the new semester, 
what the new school year might look like, getting more and more messages, more and more emails from our schools. Uh, what am I look like? Are the classes going to be in person? Is, are there going to be no masks? Will the classes be full? Is everybody going to be required to have a vaccine? And is that what's going to allow it to happen? And we're getting a message. There's a message coming from every corner, as it always does. And this message is to do more. It's to learn more, to be better, to do better. We're being asked, how can we reinvent ourselves and our classrooms for the new year? How can we apply all of these lessons that we've learned, if we know what those lessons even are, and achieve everything that we know we should be achieving? And this is on top of the pressures and voices that we hear during a normal academic year. And that's on top of the fact that many teachers were already working 50 or 60 hours a week, maybe less, but quite possibly more, before all of this set in. And this is on top of the fact that teacher pay isn't very high, and many of us have to have side gigs to help make ends meet. I've done some online teaching. I've taught some summer classes. Those are just some things I've done. Uh, I know many folks who are teaching summer classes and, and folks who are doing other things um, that, that they need to do to help ends meet. We work hard in this profession. There's many professions that work hard and are getting underpaid. I can definitely recommend that. And there's plenty of professions that work just as hard and sometimes less and get paid a lot more. There's nothing much I can do about that right now, but it does give me pause to stop and think. So with all these things that I kept saying, piled on top of this and piled on top of that and piled on top of that, I want to say, let's stop and let's breathe. Oh, that was nice. A nice big breath. I love the podcast LeVar Burton Reads. I mean, not only does it take me back to my childhood with reading Rainbow, but uh, now it's just, you know, his voice is so characteristic and he tells such great stories on, on that podcast. But anyway, if you haven't listened to it, you know, go ahead and do that if you want. But before reading every story, he does this deep breath. And I love, I love that. It's one of my, I mean, there's a lot I like about it, but it's one of my favorite parts. Anyway, stop, breathe. And I want to tell a little story. A few years ago, I had applied for a new teaching position. And to make a big splash, I decided I was going to do something that I hadn't had a chance to do in, in any previous times uh, because I, I simply just didn't have uh, the, the trail of students behind me. What, what I did was I said, I want to show uh, this new teaching institution what an impact I can make. And I contacted 20 of the students that I remembered most, that I had the best rapport with, that I uh, knew I was still in, in touch with. And I emailed each of them and asked if they would be willing to just write a simple little, you know, one paragraph. And that each of them would send this one paragraph to one person that I designated who would collate all of those and put them into a single letter, a big letter of reference from my students. I had written, actually for many of these students, although not all of them, I had written uh, a letter of recommendation for them. And now I was reaching back to them. The outpouring of response was, was amazing. All of them said yes. All of them said yes, they would do it. Everyone I reached out to said yes. And there were so many more I could have reached out to, but I just decided I'll start with these 20 and see if I can get, you know, maybe half of them to write. All 20 of them 
wrote for me. And some of them shared their letters with me. I said, you don't have to do that. You can just send those anonymously and write what you will. Many of them shared what they wrote with me. And it really, it brought tears to my eyes reading these. It affirmed that I was in the right career. It affirmed why I have loved teaching for so many years. It's these connections I made with these students and how I've impacted their lives and what I learned while reading these letters, which in a way was not a surprise for me. I've kind of known it all along. But what they were talking about was the influence I had on their lives. They remembered what it was like to be in my classroom. They don't remember most of the, the content. They didn't take any time to talk about the content. They did say a little bit about how, uh, because they were going into careers in medicine and how I uh, applied uh, a lot of the, the physics teaching I did to, to those types of careers. I had a lot of applications. They, they were able to mention that, but they wrote so much about what it was like to be in the classroom with me and how they felt recognized, how they felt listened to, and the the way I went about the, the class. I was using, I was in a studio format. I was, uh, we were doing modeling instruction and, and how impactful that was for them. Just that, that way the class was being done and that they felt they learned so much more, that the, the learning has so much more impact. And again, of course, they're not remembering all of these pieces of information they learned, but they remember that environment. I've now had a few years to reflect on this. Reflect on this idea that it's not about the content. It's about the environment. It's about the relationships that we have with our students. It's about these connections we make. It's about how we show up for, for these kids, for these young adults who are coming into our class. For these adults, sometimes we have, we're having more and more adult learners. How are we showing up for them? If we cover a little less content, that's okay. If we don't have as many graded assignments, that's okay. If we don't have a perfect set of class policies that aligns with all of the new initiatives of the day, that's okay. If we don't completely reinvent our classroom, that's okay. If we don't reinvent our classroom at all, you know what? That's going to be okay too. So this podcast, Physics Alive, I'm interviewing folks, I'm doing episodes on ideas that are in the teaching community, new ideas, these reinventions, new ways that we can do things, research-backed ways that we can do things, topics that can bring the subject alive. But I never want my podcast to make you feel guilty that you aren't doing enough that you aren't a good enough teacher. I never want that. These episodes are a way to learn what colleagues are doing in physics education. These episodes, I hope will inspire. I, will, I hope they will help you become more knowledgeable. And that maybe you might even try something that you hear, but only because the idea came at the right time, a time when you were ready for it, ready to take an action step. And if you aren't ready for that step, or that step isn't interesting to you, then you don't take it. It is not always time to take an action step. You can hear an idea that sounds amazing and you might wish you could try it, but you just aren't in a place in your life right now that you can. That is okay. What is healthy teaching? 
That's a great question, right? I don't think we have many mentors and role models in the world of education for a paradigm of healthy teaching. I would say after 12 years in the classroom, I'm starting to learn some lessons for myself. I'm starting to learn not to say yes to every single interesting idea that comes my way, to every single meeting that comes along the way, every single group that I could join. No matter how I think it could help me grow and improve, I can't say yes to everything. I want to spend time with my wife. I want to spend time with my three-year-old. I want to keep learning how to play my handpan, which is that instrument you hear in the introduction. I want to keep designing board games, which is something I kind of have fun uh, doing on the side. And I won't have time for that if, if I'm doing all of these educational things to try to improve my teaching. And this isn't to be flippant and say, well, I don't want to improve my teaching. I just want to focus on myself. But it is saying that if I focus on myself, if I focus on being healthy, then I will be a better teacher for my students. I will be a better person for my colleagues. So this is an area, this area of healthy teaching that I'm really interested in. And, and I'm going to learn more. And I'm going to share with you what I learn along the way. Uh, I hope to find some guests to interview about this very topic. But even without talking to the experts or reading all of the research, I know what's true for me. I know that there are voices coming from the outside world, from the world speaking to us about education, from the educational institutions themselves, from our colleagues, from students. And there's voices coming from inside of us, from the modeling and the conditioning that we've observed for years, for seeing what teachers have been doing for years upon years and thinking that's the way it needs to be. And those voices always say, do more, do more, do more. And those voices say, should. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And that word should is a dangerous word. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not dangerous. I mean, it's dangerous for our health. It makes us feel guilty that we're not doing something. It makes us think, hmm, my teaching would be better if I, if I did this. I should be doing this. And if I'm not, well, and then that just leads to stress. Those thoughts lead to stress and unhealthy behaviors. So I do think should is a dangerous word, and we have to be careful for that. We need to recognize these voices for what they are. They're voices that have ideas to share. And we don't need to do anything about most of those ideas. We don't have to listen to all of those voices. Those voices may have some interesting things to share with us, but that doesn't mean we have to be acting on them. What do I wish for you? Well, I wish that this summer you can take some time for yourself, that you can enjoy some of your hobbies, that you can take walks, that you can spend time with family. And when it comes time to prep for classes, whether you're going to be thinking about that throughout the summer, whether you're going to be taking in some professional development, or whether you're going to take that time for yourself and say, when mid-August comes, then I'll start thinking about classes. When it comes to that time, I want you to see what is your energy? What is your inspiration then? What is your motivation? 
do those things that you feel energy for, that you feel that inspiration for, that you feel that motivation for. Because if you try to do something else that you don't feel that coming from, it's going to feel like a whole lot of hard work and you're going to be possibly resentful of it and you're not going to do a very good job. So it's probably not worth the effort that you would put into it. But those things that you do feel energized for, you do feel inspired to try, those are the ones that I would say, go for those. See what happens there. And watch out for those shoulds. They are trying to control your time and they're trying to control your life. Let's seek to recognize what truly matters in our teaching and pay attention to that. And I don't think there's a single answer to that. That's going to be, that's going to come from inside of you. You're going to recognize your own truth and it's going to be different than what mine is. It's going to be different from what one of your colleagues truths is. So I'll go back to the question that I posed at the beginning of this episode. What's next? You are, I think you are what's next. All is well. It really is. And I hope you can sink into that and move from there. Move from that space of all is well. And I'll try to lend you a hand on this journey as best I can. Thanks for listening in. Please join me again for the next episode of Physics Alive. Until then, sink into you, contemplate what truly matters, and move from there. Be well.